and you're on right now with Jim Dawes. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an American nationalist perspective. Coming to you on the Mojo 5 radio network. Streaming live on iHeartRadio. You can listen on demand anytime on iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, and Spotify. And you can follow me on Twitter at right now, Jim Dawes. We'd love to hear from listeners. You can email me at rightnowjimdawes at gmail.com or leave a voicemail at 772-245-0750. That's 772-245-0750. Well, it's September 11, 2019, the anniversary of that fateful day back in 2001. When 19 hijackers flew airliners into the World Trade Centers and to, into the Pentagon, and uh, and a third plane uh, was thwarted, probably bound for the U.S. Capitol by uh, brave American patriots, and went down in Shanksburg, Pennsylvania. There were 19 hijackers total. Uh, 16 of them were Saudi nationals. They trained many of them in the United States to uh, to conduct these attacks. And as a result, 2,977 souls lost their lives on September 11, 2001 in New York City, at the Pentagon, and in that uh, field outside of Shanksville, PA. That included 343 firefighters from the uh, FDNY, and 60 police officers, about evenly split between the New York uh, Police Department and the Port Authority Police. And while this was a uh, the worst attack to ever take place on American soil, it also represents one of the largest intelligence failures, uh, both in uh, the failure to prevent this attack uh, tragedy, this atrocity, and in the response to it. In the run-up to 9-11, the United States had spent literally hundreds of billions of dollars trying to eradicate al-Qaeda and get to the bottom of, um, of Islamic terrorism. And there had been a prior attack on the World Trade Center just uh, eight years prior in 1993. And yet, the intelligence agencies and security apparatus of the United States government utterly and completely failed to, um, to prevent this attack when there were ample opportunities to do so. In the aftermath of 9-11, we had uh, CIA chiefs and uh, other uh, people in the intelligence services claiming that they it never occurred to them that terrorists would use airliners as missiles and therefore it never occurred to them to fortify the cockpit doors as many other airlines including El Al the Israeli airlines had been doing for years and apparently if it never occurred to them 
that terrorists would use airplanes to attack buildings. They had not read Tom Clancy, who in 1994, just one year after the 1993 attack on the World Trade Center, wrote in his novel Debt of Honor about several um, senior U.S. politicians being killed when a terrorist crashes a jetliner into the U.S. Capitol. They had never apparently read the Turner Diaries by white nationalist William Pierce, whose um, protagonist in that novel, I think his name was Hunter, fl- uh, flies a, uh, a private plane loaded with um, demolitions, uh, explosives into the U.S. Capitol. Apparently, these same intelligence geniuses did not learn from Ramsey Youssef, one of the masterminds of the original 1993 World Trade Center attack, and went on to mastermind the bombing of a Philippine Airlines jetliner. They didn't learn from the material that was captured uh, when his flat uh, and bomb uh, factory was raided in Manila, that he had plans for flying an airliner into CIA headquarters. The information was passed on to American intelligence agencies, but even though Ramsey Youssef had previously attacked the World Trade Center and had and he had uh, plans captured to uh, to do the same uh, uh, to, or to fly airliners into CIA headquarters. They just never put two and two together. And people in the uh, Clinton and uh, and Bush administrations repeatedly ignored warnings that were coming out of the flight schools where the 9-11 hijackers were training, that they didn't appear concerned with learning how to take off or land airliners. They only wanted to know how to steer them once they were in the air. So this was just a, you know, a, a, a long series of intelligence failures by our intelligence agencies, the CIA and the other alphabet soup intelligence agencies. 9-11 is the most egregious example, of course, but prior to that, we uh, we had the, the loss of Russia after the collapse of the Soviet Union. They utterly failed to, to predict the collapse of the Soviet Union, and then in its aftermath, they failed to... Um, give us the the proper intelligence so that we could bring Russia into the fold of the Western nations. They took us into Kosovo without predicting the obvious outcomes there. And then in the aftermath of 9-11, they they assured us that uh, Saddam Hussein had weapons of mass destruction and took us into the disastrous Iraq war. In Afghanistan, in our efforts to uh, capture Osama bin Laden, 
they outsourced the efforts to local warlords, chased him into the Tora Bora Mountains, and then used World War II artillery to blast him over the border into Pakistan, the one nuclear-armed Muslim nation in the world where they knew we couldn't follow. And it took a decade to bring Osama bin Laden to justice if you believe that, in fact, that happened. And, of course, most recently, we've got this fiasco with uh, Russiagate where they have totally debilitated a uh, uh, an incoming administration because he wanted to upset their uh, their apple cart, make NATO pay its fair share, and and finally, at long last, try to improve relations with Russia. So I'll never forget where I was back in two thousand and one in the run-up to 9-11. That day is seared into my memory as if it was yesterday. But I wish that we would learn our lessons from the intelligence failures after 9-11 and reform the deep state there in Washington, D.C. And I hope, though I have to admit I have very little faith that it will happen, that Bill Barr will get... Uh, to the bottom of what's going on over there in in clean house. Well, last night uh, in North Carolina, we had some very uh, positive election results. Both Republican candidates won in the special elections that were there in the 9th District. Dan Bishop uh, beat, uh, I think it's Wayne McCready, the Democrat candidate, uh, by a very uh, narrow margin. I think it was two percentage points. But it was still uh, a uh, a win, and uh, and is uh, turning the ship to uh, to retake North Carolina and turn it back into a red state. It had been trending sort of purple, and then in the uh, third district in North Carolina, Greg Murphy crushed his Democratic opponent, I think, by about seventeen points. So this was after. Uh, the president had held a rally in Fayetteville, North Carolina. We're going to have more on that later on in the show, but it's a very good results out of North Carolina. Well, the, the latest, latest uh, intelligence slash fake news media fiasco is that CNN is, uh, is reporting that um, the CIA had to extricate a spy who had uh, who they had placed close to um, the Putin administration in Russia, and they're blaming the reason they had to extricate this spy was that uh, because Donald Trump had uh, exposed intelligence secrets. They're bl- they're basing this on the fact that uh, uh, Trump met with. The, uh, the foreign minister Lavrov and the uh, Russian ambassador Kislyak and warned them that uh, the U.S. had intelligence of terrorists and intended to use laptops with bombs inside in order to attack airliners. Now, failure to, uh, to give that information would have been a dereliction. The Russians operate airlines just like what we do, and, uh, and the fact 
the terrorists were planning this, and Russia has been the target of many terrorist attacks, would have been um, unforgivable, really. And added on top of that, that uh, this this information had been reported on previously at CNN. And what you have here in this latest uh, story is another piece of fake news. Here's uh, the original reporting by Jim Scudo over at CNN. Multiple Trump administration officials uh, tell me, and these are officials with direct knowledge, that in a previously undisclosed secret mission in 2017, the U.S. successfully extracted from Russia one of its highest level sources, covert sources, inside the Russian government. A person directly involved in these discussions said that the removal of the Russian was driven in part by concerns that President Trump and his administration repeatedly mishandled classified intelligence and that that could contribute to exposing the covert source as a spy. So uh, CNN turns a story uh, that the uh, CIA extracted a Russian spy into a hit piece on Donald Trump. And you'll, you'll notice uh, Scudo starts off his reporting saying that multiple sources confirm that they extracted the spy. And then he goes on to cite a single source, which is a violation of journalistic ethics, and saying it was Trump's fault. Inside the Russian government. Here it is. A person directly involved in these discussions. Sources inside the Russian government. A person directly involved in these discussions said that the removal of the Russian was driven in part by concerns that President Trump and his administration repeatedly mishandled classified so a person we go we go from a real story to a fake news story all designed to get donald trump the truth of the matter is they had been um uh, trying to get the spy out well before donald trump even took office so to say that it was donald trump's fault is just uh is just false and and uh defamatory really but the truth, the, the broader truth here is that the person that burned the CIA spy was none other than John Brennan himself, who leaked information to the New York Times and the Washington Post that there had been a spy close to Vladimir Putin that was saying that Putin wanted Trump to win the presidency. I said at the time that one of three things were true. One was that there was no spy and John Brennan was making it up, and that still may be the case as this develops. We'll get deeper into the skullduggery. Two, that there was a spy and John Brennan outed him and and burned the spy himself. Or three, that Vladimir Putin was uh, had a double agent that was uh, that was misleading the CIA. We're about to run out to a break, and when we come back, we're going to have a little bit of tape from that to rally in North Carolina. Stick with us on Right Now. Mojo. Attention, those of you looking to go on a fun vacation and see the world on the cheap. Today, the U.S. dollar is worth even more in other countries. So there's never been a better time to travel outside the USA. The dollar is worth over $1.30 in Canadian dollars. And it's the same for Australia. You can fly there today and have fun and maximize your travel dollar. Your U.S. dollar is worth over $3 in Brazilian reals, and it's worth over $18 in Mexican pesos. Plus, in Argentina, it's worth over $27 in Argentine pesos. Just think of the bargains you'll get. 
And the way you get the cheapest airfare to any destination is by calling Tickets That Cheap. Save up to 75% on your foreign vacation tickets. Don't wait. Call now. 800-932-1596. 800-932-1596. 800-932-1596. That's 800-932-1596. Well, the latest uh, bone that the media is gnawing on is the president uh, had planned to meet with Taliban leaders at Camp David to negotiate the final status of a peace arrangement, which is kind of ridiculous, uh, thinking that you can negotiate a peace arrangement with the Taliban. But uh, he was going to meet with them at Camp David. Now, the the media, who claims uh, that they've learned their lesson from you know our disastrous involvement in, in foreign wars, and we've been in Afghanistan longer than any other uh, hostile conflict in the history of our nation, 18 years, uh, they didn't focus on the fact uh, that these peace negotiations had fallen apart. No, they focused on the idea that the president was going to meet with the Taliban leaders at Camp David to begin with, and, uh, and they just brought on guest after guest that uh, just decried this as some sort of uh, heresy and uh, and travesty that the president was going to meet uh, with them at Camp David. Apparently, they forgot uh, back in 2000 when Bill Clinton uh, met with Ehud Barak and the Palestinian terrorist Yasser Arafat at Camp David. That was, uh, I think that was, uh, it was in the summer of 2000 uh, under Bill Clinton. Now, I don't think the president should have met with the Taliban at Camp David. I don't think that Bill Clinton should have met with uh, Yasser Arafat at Camp David. He should have never allowed that uh, that terrorist leader into this country. I think he came several times, actually, to attend uh, meetings of the United Nations. I don't give a darn if the Palestinian Authority did elect him as their president. He was a terrorist who had a history of killing uh, innocent civilians uh, to achieve political ends. All of this, of course, was you know a continuation of Carter's uh, wholly legitimate meeting at Camp David with um, uh, with Egyptian President Anwar Sadat and the Israeli Prime, Prime Minister Menachem Begin. That was back in uh, 1978. Um. Imar Sadat was the president of Egypt, and it was perfectly appropriate to, to meet with him. But, um, you know, Bill Clinton didn't suffer this kind of backlash for bringing Yasser Arafat to Camp David. But the media uh, claimed not they, they didn't bemoan the fact that this uh, this withdrawal agreement had fallen apart. They bemoaned the fact that he was ever considering meeting with uh, with. Um, the Taliban to begin with at Camp David. Trump had this to say about the meeting. They're dead. They're dead. As far as I'm concerned, they're dead. They thought that they had to kill people in order to put themselves in a little better negotiating position. When they did that, they killed 12 people. One happened to be a great American soldier, a wonderful young man from Puerto Rico, families from Puerto Rico. 
And you can't do that. You can't do that with me. So they're dead as far as I'm concerned. And we've hit the Taliban harder in the last four days than they've been hitting over 10 years. So that's the way it is. I like the idea of meeting. I've met with a lot of bad people and a lot of good people during the course of the last almost three years. And I think meeting is a great thing. I think that meeting with You know, you're talking about war. There are meetings with war. Otherwise, wars would never end. You'd have them go on forever. Well, the president's right. There's nothing wrong with meeting, um, except for when you're meeting with the Taliban, you've got to keep in mind that uh, they have no intention whatsoever of keeping any agreement that they they offer. They've got two objectives. One is to get the United States out of Afghanistan, and we never should have been there to begin with. And and two is to uh, overtake... The uh, the elected government in uh, Kabul and uh, and uh, retake control for their fundamentalist Islamic uh, state and uh, really <clears throat> this whole uh, the the re- resolution of this whole issue was set in stone the day we decided to occupy Afghanistan. I was not opposed to the Afghan war per se. We did need to go in there and uh, and capture bin Laden and uh, rout al-Qaeda. But we did not need to try to stay there, occupy the place, and, uh, and install a, uh, a government. Uh, that was never going to work. Afghanistan is famously known as the place where empires go to die because they have a, a tribal culture based on cousin marriage, by the way, uh, that has been warring with uh, the various factions over there forever, and they're not going to change. And uh, and a foreign power, whether it be the British or the Soviets or the United States, trying to occupy that is a fool's errand. It's simply going to give uh, the warlike people over there uh, a foreign occupier to focus on. If we're serious about debilitating the Taliban, uh, the only way really to do that is to, to uh, arm the various factions over there and let them have at it, like we used to do with uh, Iraq and Iran. It was working quite well. But the occupying that place and trying to install a democratically uh, uh, elected government when the people over there have no thirst for democracy ever demonstrated whatsoever is just foolishness. Oh, Joe Biden is out. He's, uh, he has uh, decided that uh, he was against the Iraq war after all, never mind the fact that he was chair of the uh, foreign relations committee when votes took place, authorizing George Bush, George W. Bush to go into Iraq. He is now, out on the campaign trail trying to get that stench off of him and claiming that he opposed <laughs> the Iraq war after being caught telling uh, another whopper. I think he was actually on um, uh, uh, NPR, National Public Radio, when he told this. Uh, they, he was, his campaign was contacted, and one of his advisors said he, he misspoke. <laughs> I misspoke about my opposition to the Iraq war. Well, you know, that's something that you ought to be pretty clear about whether you uh, supported 
or opposed the most um, uh, the biggest foreign policy blunder that this country has probably ever engaged in. Well, we got to run out to a break. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Gary S. Coleman to dis- discuss the Democrats' plans to confiscate your semi-automatic rifles. Yep. They're going to knock on your door and demand you hand them over. I'm not saying what they'll do if you don't, but I think it's pretty much understood. Stick with us. We'll be back after two messages on right now. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. If you have thyroid eye disease and the pain in the back of your eye is forcing bad words from your mouth, it might be time to discover another treatment option. To learn more, visit TreatMyTed.com. That's TreatMyTed.com. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes, your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an America First perspective. You know, it wasn't that long ago that uh, Democrat presidential candidates knew that they couldn't offend uh, gun owners and hope to win uh, the national election because they would lose the votes of uh, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Ohio, many other states that uh, they relied upon. Uh, to uh, to get an electoral college victory. But uh, that was then, and this is now. And it appears that the Democrats have gone all in on gun gun confiscation. I almost can't get it out of my mouth. I uh, can't believe it. But uh, uh, not only has Beto O'Rourke adopted the position of, uh, you know, the, the most radical uh, position, but uh, the leader of the Democrat field in the polls right now joe biden has as well joining me now to talk about it is gary s coleman he's a nationally recognized host of business politics and lifestyles which airs uh weekly on wcrn 830 in metro boston gary thanks for joining us thanks for having me on the show well you know i can hardly believe uh it, it almost seems like the democrat party is purposely trying to blow themselves up but they they had a seven hour um, infomercial on behalf of the Republican National Committee last week, each of them trying to get to the left of each other on climate change. And now you got Beto O'Rourke adopting uh, the position of, uh, what was that uh, that that lunatic uh, congressman from California that was uh, the first to talk about the confiscation, um, uh, Swalwell? Yeah. 
And now uh, here comes old Joe Biden, not going to let anybody get to the left of him. And he uh, he is adopting the gun confiscation position as well. Have you ever seen anything like this? No. Well, first of all, you know, if one goes to the left, it's like a, it's like almost a shuffle dance that, you know, they, they're, they're each going to take steps to the left until they eventually fall off the cliff. There's no doubt about it. But no, I've never seen anything like this. And look at, let's be honest with each other. They, they use words to, they, they manipulate words and how they use them to try to get what they want. And, uh, government buyback of guns was the first way they, you know, came across with this. They're buying back something they don't own, number one. And secondly, it's a confiscation. And if there's going to be a confiscation on guns in this country, they better be prepared for the revolution that's going to take place. I'm not advocating that. I just think it's reality. And uh, I think they just throw as much out there as they can to see how far they can, what, you know, to some degree to see what type of reaction they get. The sad part is I think in their own minds they do believe a majority of the people are on their side, and I think they're going to find out that is not the case, not the case at all. Well, you know, the old saying is a socialist is just a communist who hasn't confiscated guns yet. Yeah. And this group has already shown that it uh, it is all in on socialism. And now, before they even uh, rise to power, uh, they're talking about confiscating guns. Here's a clip of old Beto O'Rourke himself. He was speaking up in New Hampshire right uh, right down the road from you. Right. And, uh, and trying to, and you can't hardly believe that he would say this in front of a New Hampshire audience, but here it goes. This is a country that has produced the leadership that will ensure that we not only have universal background checks and red flag laws and end the sale of those weapons of war, but that we go the necessary steps further, as politically difficult as they may be. A gun registry in this country, licensing for every American who owns a firearm... Every single one of those AR-15s and AK-47s will be bought back so they're not on our streets, not in our homes. Do not take the lives of our fellow Americans. You know, Gary, Beto O'Rourke is kind of a goofy fella, and it's hard to imagine it, but you can close your eyes and listen to the, the parallels in history uh, with, uh, with gun grabbers like Hitler and Stalin and Pol Pot and Mao. And uh, and he's uttering the same words right there in, in New Hampshire, and uh, and then and then and then Joe Biden is saying it as well. It's yeah, you know, and, and it, it, I was doing exactly what you said. I was closing my eyes, listening to him speak just now, and you would and you would have thought you were listening to, you know, Hitler's like you just said, Adolf Hitler speaking. Look at the funny part is when you when you listen to them talk. There's a part of me that I have a tough time believing that they really believe what they're saying. And then the more you get into it and you, you know, factually go online, you look at articles and you read more and you listen to things off the cuff, not necessarily at one of these events that there are. And, and then you, I say to myself, well, you know what? You're kidding yourself if you don't believe he believes what he's saying because this is really what they want. But, you know, uh, what I always ask my audience is, do you believe the American people want this? That's the main, you know, the main question to throw out there. And look at even here in Massachusetts, very liberal state, the closer you are to the city of Boston and the metro Boston, look, at this, it's anti, anti-guns, but there are a lot of gun lovers here in Massachusetts as well. And people think it's going too far to talk about buyback, you know, buybacks, a.k.a. confiscation of guns. It's just... Uh, outrageous and it shouldn't happen and that's from 
suburban Massachusetts, so that should tell you something right there. Well, you know, these these are statements that they can't take back, and I've got some more clips I'm going to play from you uh, from Joe Biden, the uh, ostensible frontrunner of the Democrat field. Uh, but, the, but, but they're not going to be able to take these back, and, uh, and they're expecting to take this message to Pennsylvania and Michigan and, and uh, Wisconsin and other places, and they're absolutely going to get crushed unless – you know, I'm, I'm sort of uh, Rip Van Winkle, and, and I don't realize what's going on in this country. This is uh, this is sort of uh, committing Harry Carey, politically speaking. Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt. It, it, look at it. But, you know, you, here's the problem. You're right. It's all on, you know, video. It's all on tape. But the mainstream media will play it in what, whatever way helps their particular favorite candidate. And we know that favorite candidate is not going to be Donald Trump or should anyone with this crazy primarying that's going on try to primary them and win out in the long run? Um, so they will, you know, we'll hear, we won't hear necessarily all of these statements that have been made over time. And you know, the, the attention span of the American people is very, it's short. Um, there's so much going on in the news cycle. They're on to the next thing before they've had time to uh, regurgitate what they've recently heard. So that that's where, you know, there's a, there's a little problem there because the less they hear about it, they forget about it, and they're on to something else. But uh, they'll help the Democrats out, whoever the candidate will be, which, whichever way they can. And that's uh, that's a sad scenario on American politics, right? Well, there. I promise you, um, at, at the Republican National Committee, they've got their DVRs working overtime. Um, they had all seven hours of nothing but uh, gold, pure gold, uh, on the oppo research on that CNN town hall on climate change. And now they're giving them all of this. And, and I think CNN also has uh, one of these seven-hour uh, telethons uh, that they're going to devote specifically to LGBTQ. And, of course, you know, since we now have gay marriage, the only thing that they're going to be left to agitate on are these transgender rights. And uh, they're going to go all in on, you know, men competing against your, your daughters uh, in sports. And, uh, and, you know, uh, in, in their bathrooms, it's just unbelievable. I've got a clip here. I want to play you. This is Joe Biden um, uttering words that would have been uh, recognizable to a competent politician in past ages as political suicide. So to, to gun owners out there who say, well, a Biden administration means Anderson they're going to come for my guns. Bingo. You're right if you have an assault weapon. The fact of the matter is they should be illegal, period. So I guess we're <laughs> period, he says. So period. And, and, you know, the other part, they, they love using the word assault weapon with really understanding what what an assault weapon is or, or what it constitutes. And they just keep using that over and over because, again, they like to play on the words and the word gun assault weapon. They know is good or, you know, scare people and it's off to scare tactics. But, yeah, look at Biden. Biden's a character in and of itself. You know, he, I, I'm not sure. I don't, I'm, I'm not, not sure he even knows what he's saying at this point. That's what I was going to say. I'm not sure he even knows what he's saying or if it just rolls out of his lips, depending on, you know, what's on his mind at the time this question's asked. There's no thought process. Look, at when, you, when you're going to be the president and you're going into interviews or you're going on a debate stage um, or a town hall stage, you have to have some sort of a gender that in your at least in your mind, I'm not sure he's capable of doing that at this point. And I'm not knocking him, but look at he's he's up there in age, and I think he's showing his age. And uh, he will say whatever he has to say because he really believes it's his time 
to become president. He feels he was slighted on a number of occasions, and this is his time to become president. So, hey, uh, Gary, I used to be uh, the the president for the Georgia Firefighters, the International Association of Chapter for Georgia, and I've had quite a bit of dealings with Joe Biden, and I can tell you from experience, he has always been willing to say whatever he thought would please the audience he was standing in front of at the time. Uh, he's never been a successful politician, at least on the national stage. They kept sending him to to the Senate from uh, from Delaware there because he's willing to do exactly uh, what he's told, you know, by the corporations that are uh, uh, gathered there in Delaware. But uh, he he has always been a yes man. He will promise anybody anything that he thinks that uh, that uh, they want to hear. But you brought up the point, uh, you know, that they're, they're talking about assault weapons, and assault weapons in their definition are a semi-automatic rifle. Uh, they, they think that the ones that are, uh, you know, got a plastic stock and a plastic uh, uh, butt and, uh, and magazines that hold multiple rounds are more deadly, but they're not. Uh, you know, there are p- plenty of uh, normal-looking hunting rifles that are uh, – would be just as lethal as uh, as an AK-47 or AR-15. But the the bigger point is, you know, last year we had 17,000 murders in this country. Of that 17,000, 674 were committed by rifles of any kind, AR-15 or AK-47 or uh, 30-30 or bolt-action, you know, uh, Winchester. Um it, it's it's a fraud when they say that they're going to stop at um, so-called assault weapons. The vast majority of murders in this country are, are committed with handguns, semi-automatic handguns, and that'll be the logical next step. You know, the 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 assault the assault weapon to me when they use the word assault weapon, and, and I don't want to be repetitive, is purely for scare tactics because you know that. They're putting. They're trying to make people in minds think of you know military type weapons that are just uh, you know some some local person their neighbor may have and you know why should they have that which is totally outrageous that's not the case but you bring up the, a, a great point I don't hear them talking about and I you know let's pick on the the city of Chicago I don't hear them talking about the murders every weekend that are committed there with handguns or the, the killings um, in Detroit, or whether it be Baltimore on a regular basis, these are all, most of them are done with handguns, and they don't, they don't want to talk about that because it, it, it doesn't fit their narrative at this time. So they keep harping on this assault rifle, and it's again, you brought up other type of rifles that are not obviously not used in, in these types of killings that we're hearing about. But it's the fear factor. They're playing off the fear factor, and they're going to continue. Look, there's no doubt in my mind they're going to continue to play this card right till the, you know, election day. And uh, God forbid if we have any more shootings in this country, it, they'll use that even, you know, they'll use that even further. They think that's going to jolt them into power. But it's amazing what Joe, but like you said about Joe Biden, I, I, you know, I've listened to Joe Biden. I've gone back and listened to quite a bit of his stuff. And he is, he's the guy that will come into the room and say whatever he has to say at any given time to get the reaction that he wants. But I'd love to get his reaction and talk, you know, I'd love someone to really pin him down and talk to him about, and along with the other candidates, the killings in, like I just said, some of these cities that are being done with handguns. And why aren't, if we look at the totals of these killings. Oh, my not, God. 
Each and there are a lot more than they are of these mass shootings, and I'm not trying to make one one life worth more or less than the other. Well, they are. But they're, they are. They are. Each and every are. each and every weekend, just in Chicago alone, not to mention Detroit and Baltimore and Oakland and a dozen other Democrat-run cities with with rigorous anti-gun laws. By the way, they have the equivalent of one of these mass shootings like happened in El Paso or Dayton. And yet, uh, the only ones that they're interested in are the ones that were, were committed with a AR-15 or AK-47. And that's why I say, if they if they get their camel's nose in the tent and, and get these rifles, which are responsible for a small fraction of the murders in this country, the logical next step will be semi-automatic handguns. And, uh, and Joe Biden says he wants to eliminate all guns with uh, multiple bullets in it. It is irrational, with all due respect to the governor of Texas, irrational what they're doing. The idea that we don't have elimination of assault-type weapons, magazines that can have, hold multiple bullets in them, is absolutely mindless. So, according, to, I mean, if you go by that, and you don't know if Joe Biden knows what he's saying from one, one day to the next, uh, the only guns that would be... Uh, legal would be bolt action, single shot rifles, and I, I guess derringers and and uh, breech loading uh, shotguns. And what are they going to do when they, if they were to confiscate all the guns and all the handguns? First of all, we know the bad guys will always have the weapons, but look at Great uh, Britain, London. With the, there's there's stabbings now. Our media doesn't want us to hear about all the knife attacks and axe attacks and other things they're doing with chemicals when they can't get a hold of a gun. It's, you know, it, it, we're, we're trying to solve a problem without getting to the root of the problem, and that's exactly what they're doing on the left. That's, they're just trying to, you know, put a little Band-Aid over a wound and, and make it think it's going to go away. But they take the guns, they take the handguns, they take the long guns. The bad guys are still going to find weapons. Well, you know, A, the, guns, uh, and, and B, knives or whatever, to attack innocent people. And then what do you do? Well, you, take away, you go to the restaurant, you can't have your dinner knife. I mean, you know, and I'm not oh, sure. No, 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 they're, no, no. They're over in Great Britain. They're making people. Uh, um, you have to be 18 or 21 in order to buy a cutlery set now. Yeah, no, I saw. I've seen that. And, and of course, our press doesn't want to talk about that because it will put too many holes in their. Um, well, you, you, you know, want to talk about holes in their argument. One thing uh, uh, that is largely ignored is the United States has more guns per capita than any other nation in the world. Now, if you believed by far, half again as much, if you believed the leftist narrative that guns cause violence, then the logical uh, conclusion would be that the United States would be number one in murder as well. We're not even close. We're not even in the top 100. The nations that populate the the very top of the list as far as murder rates go are the one socialist countries with strict gun uh, 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 bans, uh, private ownership of gun bans, such as Mexico and Honduras, where only the only people that have the guns are the drug cartels and the, the gangs who are running roughshod over the population. And they're running roughshod, and the, the populace as a whole is held hostage on a daily basis. That's exactly what's happening. And, it, you know, the, the part that's very frustrating is people do not think exactly what you laid out can happen in this country. Well, you know, God forbid if the Democrats get elected again in 2020, you're going to see such a radical change in this country 
that, you know, people are going to blink their eyes and say, what happened? And, and situ- I'm not saying it's going to turn into a Honduras or Mexico, but similar things are going to start happening. They're already happening in this country. It could very well turn into good- Venezuela. Venezuela was the most prosperous country in South America. Yeah, exactly. That, that's exactly where I was going. As horrible it is to see what happened in, is happening in Venezuela, it's an opportune time for the American people to realize we do not want to go down this road. And unfortunately, a lot of people do not realize how wealthy a country Venezuela you know, was during its time. And now looking at now you look at the statistics in Venezuela and you're looking at the you know, one of the greatest statistics is how much weight people are losing on a daily basis or a monthly basis. And it's not because they're on Jenny Craig. It's because they can't get any food on their tables. It's because That's they threw the in with a Marxist socialist government that promised them something for nothing and the whole thing collapsed. Hey, Gary, um, I got to take a break, but I would love to get your take on uh, William Weld, Bill Weld, former uh, liberal Republican Massachusetts governor who is uh, challenging Donald Trump. Could you stick with us? Yeah, not a problem. Stick with us. We'll be right back on right now with Jim Dawes. Mojo. Attention, those of you looking to go on a fun vacation and see the world on the cheap. Today, the U.S. dollar is worth even more in other countries. So there's never been a better time to travel outside the USA. The dollar is worth over $1.30 in Canadian dollars. And it's the same for Australia. You can fly there today and have fun and maximize your travel dollar. Your U.S. dollar is worth over $3 in Brazilian reals, and it's worth over $18 in Mexican pesos. Plus, in Argentina, it's worth over $27 in Argentine pesos. Just think of the bargains you'll get. And the way you get the cheapest airfare to any destination is by calling tickets that cheap. Save up to 75% on your foreign vacation tickets. Don't wait. Call now. 800-932-1596. 800-932-1596. 800-932-1596. That's 800-932-1596. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes. We're talking to Gary S. Coleman, nationally recognized host of Business, Politics, and Lifestyles on WCRN 830 in Boston, Mass. Gary, before, while I've got you, I wanted to ask you about Bill Weld and what you think about this challenge that he's going to mount to Donald Trump uh, in the Republican primaries. I, I look at, if you, you know, Bill Weld came out and, you know, he was the first one to announce that he was going to primary the president. And then he sort of went silent, and we really haven't heard a lot from him. We every on occasion he'll he'll throw something out there. I, I, you know, Weld is not one. I, first of all, I'm not really concerned about any of the those that have said uh, they are going to primary the president. Oh no, this is just but, entertainment value. It's just entertainment value. But Weld, of all people, I mean, um, he's as I as when you were talking, I were talking during the your first break. Um, someone better wake him up and tell him we're getting to that that stage where if you're going to primary the president, you've got to get out there and run a campaign. Um, I think it's just a lot of hot air. Look at he's he just for whatever reason him and a number Walsh and uh, they, they don't like Donald Trump and they're just doing whatever they can to distract the situation. And you said it's fully entertainment failure. But what bothers me the most, look, at I want to hear more people from the Republican Party, you know, coming out and laying, you know, laying it out 
about, look at Donald Trump's our president. He's the guy we're going to support. I'm not sure why we're not hearing more of that from the Republican Party. It's I find that to be quite a bit frustrating. Do, you know, all in all, you look at the success rate of Trump. I don't know what Weld's looking for above. You may not like the man. You may not like his tweeting. You may not like the way he does things, but he's not a politician. Donald Trump is doing exactly what he promised he would do, work for the American people, something I don't think Trump would be, uh, excuse me, uh, Weld would be doing. He'd be playing politics as usual, as well as any other candidate. So uh, I'm, Weld, I think, was just going to fade away as time goes on. I don't think we're going to hear much from Bill Weld. Well, you mentioned why why don't we hear more Republicans coming out uh, in support of Donald Trump. I think a, a fairly sizable chunk of the Republican Party would just as soon go back to losing elections and getting bullied around in the U.S. Congress if they could, uh, you know, stop having bad things written about them in the New York Times and the Washington Post. And uh, and that is, you know, the the main reason we have to reelect Donald Trump is because he is changing the face of the Republican Party and finally, at long last, fighting back and, and giving giving it right back to him. But um, Bill Weld, he he was a liberal Republican that uh, somehow got elected governor of Massachusetts. Does he still live there? Yeah, I be- yes, I believe he still lives here. Um, and I'm not 100% on that, but I, I somehow I uh, threw somebody I know, I asked that same question, and they told me he was living here again. Look at our current governor. Charlie Weld is is a, a, a similar version of um, Bill Bill Weld. Excuse me, Charlie Baker is a version of uh, Bill Weld, and he's that rides that fence. You know, uh, wears the Republican suit, but I honestly feel he's you know a Democrat. In in, in reality, he's, he was named one of the top five governors, most liked governors of the in the country. And how can you be that in a democratic state unless you're really pushing democratic policies because this state is run by democrats the majority is democrats uh, i think there's only three uh senators in the house uh, you know that are uh, republican three or four and uh it's totally a democratic state so for them to have this love fest with our governor has to make you wonder my theory about why uh massachusetts selects governor uh, republican governors like uh, bill weld and uh, mitt romney and the the guy you mentioned now baker is because uh, you're you guys are the highest taxed state in the nation, and uh, maybe they're electing these Republican governors in hope that uh, that they'll protect them from the legislature. Yeah, and reality is they really haven't been protecting them from the legislature. So, uh, you know, it's it's interesting. You know, I would not be surprised if we see at some not this cycle, but some cycle up the road, 2024, Charlie Baker to start talking about a presidential campaign. I think that's the way he's, what he's working toward. Uh, I think he's got a ways to go, but uh, we do, we do love voting in our Republican governors and that's about as far as we get. But the first person that challenges uh, the current governor Baker on the democratic side, a real challenge at Delta. There's no doubt in my mind. Well, you you mentioned uh, Joe Walsh. Joe Walsh is a, is a joke. He's not going to get anywhere. Every time he opens his mouth, people are going to point out his tweets where he was using the N-word and making anti-Semitic remarks and such. You got this guy, um, the former South Carolina governor, um, whose name escapes me right now. Yeah. <laughs> I'll think yeah. of it in a, in a second. Mark Sanford. Um, he's actually a, a fairly articulate uh, guy who's got some serious Republican bona fides um, and, you know, in a normal time could uh, mount a, a, a reputable challenge. But 
uh, Donald Trump's got 92, 94% approval rating in the Republican Party. I, I just think uh, they're just trying to get on TV to get attention, and and uh, and they the the left the media will just love to put them on TV at every opportunity. Yeah, if you have something bad to say about Donald Trump, or if you are going to uh, primary Donald Trump, the left is going to open the door, let you in the studio, but you better have your vest on when you're leaving because the daggers are going to be thrown at you as you're walking out the door. So. Look at any, it, it's, it's all, like you said, it's, it's, it's uh, theater at this point. And it's, you know, the, the, if, if you want to sit through this and listen to these guys, try and primary the president or go through this process for the next few months, there may be some entertainment. I say, we're just wasting our time and let's, you know, let the president keep doing what he's doing. Could you imagine if, if they'd let him govern without this constant, you know, every day throwing something at him. Look at there's some days he doesn't help the situation with his tweets. I'm all for right. his tweeting. I'm all for his tweeting. I'm not for some of the petty tweets that he does. That's just me personally. But um, we could really have some success stories. And I think it's time to start holding those on the left that have run, that are in the Senate and the you know, House of Representatives to go do their job and stop playing this game of, you know, let's uh, invest, continue the investigation Let's impeach, but uh, the American, the politics in America, have obviously changed, and uh, you know until we start holding everyone accountable and drain this swamp, and I think this swamp is even much deeper than the president even realized. It's going to be politics as usual, and you know I think they, there's a majority of the people in this country that have no problem with politics as usual, which is kind of sad. The swamp is much deeper than we ever realized, and if nothing else, Donald Trump has done us a great service by uh, illustrating the fact that the the, the Washington D.C. is run by a, a clutch of people who don't necessarily have the best interests of the United States at heart. Hey, Gary, what are you going to be talking about on your show this weekend on business, politics, and lifestyles? We're going to we're going to actually be talking about immigration once again. You know, it's it's still such a you know a hot topic. There's some stuff going on here in the state of Massachusetts. Can you uh, um, can you get so, your show online? You want to share it with the listeners? Yeah, we can. You can get the show online at. Uh, you can go to my website, GaryOnBPL.com, or go to TuneIn's and uh, look for WCRN, and uh, that will pull you right into the show. But uh, GaryOnBPL.com, there's a link to the show, and you can find our uh, podcasts on Apple, Google, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Spotify. I will definitely be listening, Gary. Thanks for joining us and uh, bringing us up to date. I hope you should come back and talk to us again. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Take care. Bye-bye. Well, that's it for another edition of Right Now with Jim Dawes. Thanks for joining us, and be sure to tune in tomorrow right here on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. We'll talk to you then. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Whether you have your own bathroom or you share one with your family, a little extra help keeping the bathroom sink, counter, and mirror clean goes a long way. And Viva paper towels are for the long haul. They're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. And they clean like cloth, helping you keep the surfaces in your bathroom dry and fingerprint and toothpaste free. For an exceptional bathroom clean, there's Viva paper towels. 
Visit vivatels.com to learn more.